As I was writing my sermon and I was thinking of various things to say, I just felt from God just to encourage all of you. It was because somebody in this church, a member of the church, decided to invite a young, I think I was 12, 13-year-old kid to come to church on a Wednesday. When I was bored, when I had tried to fill my life with relationships, friends, and everything else, and nothing seemed to satisfy or relieve the anger and the pain that was in my heart from the experiences that I had from my parents divorcing. But it was that one person who invited me and took time out of his day with his son to invite me, then to pick me up and bring me to church. And in the youth group upstairs, like Pastor Brian said, in that summer of 2008, I gave my heart to Jesus. I rededicated my life, and ever since, it's been history. And I want to encourage you because it was you, it was you being God's hands and feet. And what I want to challenge you is to continue to be God's hands and feet to not just me, but to those around you. Sometimes seeing somebody come into relationship with Jesus will cost us something. It might cost us gas. It might cost us to go out of our route, out of our way, to invite that friend, to invite that kid to come and encounter Jesus just because you said you invited them, just because you walked them and, and you love them. So I just want to say thank you. I'm grateful this morning, and it's been an emotional ride um, so much cares. Thank you for the care, your love, your investment throughout the years. I rededicated my life. You guys provided. I, I was learning English when I came, and you guys provided a family who connected with me and took me under their wing and took care of me and demonstrated what loving Jesus looked like, how being authentic in our struggle, in our faith, and fighting through all of that and actually holding on to Jesus in the midst of it is so important. It was because of your faithfulness that my life was changed. It's because you guys consistently went to Beaver Terra Circle where I live in what I call now the ghetto. Um, <laughs> it's a reality. My house had a hole in it from my drive-by shooting. Uh, it's just the environment I grew up in, but because of your faithful love of being Jesus, I was reached. My community was reached because of your love. So I continue to love that way. Continue to be Jesus. Continue to, if you can lower me down, I'm getting a little feedback. Thank you. Um, if you can just love that way, care in that way, empower people, love people the way Jesus will love you. Care for those and give out of your way because it was that that transformed me. Here I was able to start serving as a youth. As you saw in the pictures, ripping carpets, doing it. I'm grateful for all those projects and experiences that helped me to put my hands to the plow and realize that ministry wasn't just this this is like 1% of everything that happens behind the scenes. But it gave me a serving heart. And I did it around loving people. I did it around people who were delighted to do it, joyful to do it, to serve. And I was taught to do it everything, everything that I did to do it for the kingdom of God. Because it's all for him. 
It's all for Jesus. It's nothing else matter. It's all for Jesus. And I learned in this place through those moments, through helping me go through college, to when I came back from college from Pastor Joe allowing me to live in his house from the experience of Pastor Brian taking me to my first youth uh, conf- uh, Christian conference that you saw a picture of me jumping on him and Andy uh, in Jesus' culture, and I got to hear wonderful speakers, and our lives were transformed. I treasured those moments. Each and every single one of those moments were building, transforming, and changing in my life, and I am forever changed by it. So thank you. Continue to love that way. Continue to be God's hands and feet. Continue to care for those around you. Be willing to go out of your work. It's been a journey, and you guys will always be my home church. This is where I grew up. This is where I got saved. This is where I learned to listen to God's voice. This is where I learned to rest in God's presence until I felt, or lingering His presence, or lingering worship until I felt His presence. This is where I learned to do all for the kingdom of God and to do it with joy and thanksgiving. I've been humble looking back at all these incredible experiences and the pictures this morning that I couldn't just hold back the tears and cry. And I'm thankful for the love you consistently keep showing me through embracing me, giving me hugs, and speaking words of life to me, praying for me, and the statements you make over me. I want to just remind us that God is on the throne. Jesus is coming back, and we need to live in light of his return. So now that I got that all out of my way, I'm going to try to preach for a little bit, just a little bit, because I'm too emotional, and I want to hug you, embrace you, and spend time with you. But I know that when change happens, if you're like me, when change happens, whether we want it or not, and in conversation with auntie, my favorite auntie in the world, uh, we were just talking, it's a reality, whether we realize it or not, anxiety rises inside of us. Anytime there's a change in our world, anytime there's a change in what we're used to in our concept, regardless of whether we're trusting God, regardless of where you find yourself, anxiety is a normal response that happens in our lives. And this morning, I want us to challenge us with a couple of scriptures, and one of my favorite scriptures that I will read over, but I want us to challenge us in the midst of this tension that we might feel, in the midst of the sadness, which I so appreciate and thankful, and it's right to feel those. I'm not trying to say that it's bad to feel those. It's okay to feel those, but what do you do with them after a while? Do you stay in that anxiousness and you stay anxious, or do you take steps to walk and trust in God? So the first scripture I want to talk about is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. It says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. I don't know if about you, but I'm not always rejoicing about everything that happens in my life or when things are changing, or when they're unseen. But here, through Scripture, God challenges us to rejoice always. That word always in Greek is always. (laughs) Consistently, ongoingly, to refocus on Him, to rejoice always in Him, to pray continuously. 
giving thanks in all circumstances. When our world feels like we're falling apart or our lives are filled with so much anxiety, the least thing that we want to do is rejoice. The least thing that we want to do is pray. The least thing we want to do is give thanks in the midst of that circumstances. If anything, we become little brats, and it's like, God, I've been serving you. How come this is happening? This shouldn't be happening to me. I've been trying to do my best. How can... And we become little brats, thinking that we earned something or that we grabbed some status or because we were obedient enough or served God enough that we earned something. And the reality is that none of that matters because it's all Jesus. Your hard work, your earning doesn't matter. Your best days are just dirty rags. You cannot earn it. But here he challenges us to pray, to give, to rejoice always, to pray continuously and give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will in you in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 12 to 17 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. These are just truth of God's word that we need to live by and be anchored in our lives. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since all me- as members of one body we are called to peace and be thankful. Again, as we are anchored in that one body of Christ, we're meant to be in peace, and we're meant to be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, singing songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And again, this is something that I've been quoting this morning. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, to the Father, through him. Let your motive be anchored always in bringing glory to him. And don't allow your motive to be attached to, because I do this, I'm going to be blessed. Because I do this, I'm going to have a right to get this. Because I do this, no problems are going to happen in my life. It doesn't guarantee that in Scripture. If any, tells you that there will be troubles, that there will be heartaches. But Jesus says, take heart, because I will be with you. So in all of this, I'm trying to anchor us once again as I'm leaving, that in the midst of anxiousness, in the midst of this tension, in the midst of the sadness, to remember that he's on the throne. That we need to be anchored in peace. That we need to be anchored that he's the one orchestrating everything. And we need to look to him. Not through our plans. Not through our solutions. But just work. Put your hands to the plow. But it's your dependency on him. It's your peace on him. It's your focus on him. Because if it's not, you're going to kill yourself trying to figure it out on your own and not walking in the peace and the purpose and the joy that Jesus has for you in this journey, in the midst of all circumstances, in the midst of all the problems, in the midst of the headache and the anxiety. He wants you to walk in peace. He wants you to walk anchoring him, knowing that he's directing your steps, that he's the one guiding you. 
You know what neuroscience found out about gratitude and thankfulness? They found out that gratitude causes a synchronized activity or simultaneous activity in multiple areas of your brain region. And it lights up parts of your brain that re there is the reward path in the hypolemion, which is basically a small but very cool part of our brain that coordinates a lot of stuff like autonomic nervous system, the cooling down of our bodies, thirst, hunger, homeostasis. There's so much about this little part of the brain. But basically, in short, gratitude can boost neurotransmitters serotonin and activity in the brain stems to produce dopamine. And if you know anything about dopamine, dopamine is a brain pleasure chemical. It calms you down, it brings joy in your mind in the midst of narrow, in the midst of anxiety, you cannot be anxious. So one of the challenges that I wanna leave you with in the midst of all of this feel, me leaving, you know, trusting God, feeling this ache, and sometimes all of us sometimes feel nervous or anxious about something, I want you to practice gratitude. A lot of us know, and we, again, conversation. By the way, majority of my sermons are written in the midst of conversation. If I have a conversation with you, guess what? I'm probably going to use that conversation somewhere in one of my sermons ever. Because that's just the way uh, God wires me. Like, oh my goodness, I definitely, that connects. But in conversation, sometimes of us, we know that vitamins are good. But how many of us have a closet or a, a drawer or whatever, a cabinet full of medicine, full of vitamins, and we never take them? They're there. We know it's good for us, but we never take them. And it's just the same thing with gratitude. We know that it can change the power of a brain. Literally, neuroscientists have found out that when you're anxious, your brain pattern is in a specific neural pathway. But when you start practicing gratitude, when you start practicing thankfulness, your brain cannot stay in that narrow pathway. It has to jump into gratitude. So you have a choice in your own life to either stay in the anxiousness and allow it to overwhelm you, or you choose to fight your anxiousness and you start to think of what I'm thankful for. What I'm grateful. God, I thank you that I have breath in my lungs today. God, I thank you that it's a new day. God, I thank you that you love me. God, I thank you that you saved me. God, I thank you that when I didn't deserve it, you were merciful to me. God, I thank you that you provided friends and family who love me and developed me in this church. It's like, instead of anxiousness, instead of what am I going to do, instead of where's my money, instead of my family, instead of, God, I thank you that you're orchestrating my life. God, I thank you that I can trust you. God, I thank you that I can depend on your word, that I don't have to be afraid, that you're not a God that lies or change your mind, but you are truth, and I can depend on your word, and I can run to you because you have your arms always open wide for me. Instead of allowing my anxiousness to overwhelm me, I can choose to walk in the gratitude of God and thankfulness. It will literally change the way you think. So, in closing, I say all this because I want to end by sharing one of my favorite scriptures that I said I would. Philippians 4. I have preached about this in another sermon, I think, called Shoes Happiness or something like that. But in Philippians 4, 4, 9, says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
I will say again, rejoice. Sounds familiar to a verse I read earlier, right? First Thessalonians. But Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I don't know about you, but my life has been so anchored in this scripture that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of craziness, in the midst of attacks against me, in the midst of my family going crazy because they need Jesus. That who t- we, everybody has a family member or family that we all need Jesus, period. But, Lord God, my family really pray, pray. They really need Jesus. But in the midst of that, I can walk. There's a gentleness and a peace that happens in our lives when we trust in God. When we trust in his word, when we have walked with him, realize he, he's been faithful then. He's going to continue to be faithful now. And he's going to continue to be faithful forever. He has never failed me. He has always been near me. And just when I didn't think that I was going to make it through, he provided an answer. He provided a way. And he changed and transformed my life. So I want to encourage you to, there's just, there's a truth to invite Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that in your life this morning or watching online, if you never come to that saving knowledge of walking in the peace that you have a Father who cares about you, that you have a Savior who loves you and made a way for you to have relationship with Him, and one that wants to lead you in joy and freedom. Man, do that today. I'll continue reading. In verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Again, that challenge. Do not be anxious, which in an anxious world, we're like, ah! But in every situation, by prayer and petition, Intense giving, presenting our requests, presenting our heartaches, presenting our things to the Lord, to knowing that He answers, knowing that He listens, knowing that He cares for us. And then He says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love it. Don't be anxious. But in every situation, pray. Let your request be made known to God in thanksgiving and present yourself to God in his peace that surpasses all understanding. I love it when my teacher used to say, when God speaks, everything changes. And at the same time, when he speaks, at the reality, there's nothing that changed. But when God speaks to you and I, everything changes inside of us. Their perspective changes. Our hope rises. Our faith rises. Our focus on Him rises. We take our eyes off the situation and we fix our eyes on everything that changed. We're still in the middle of the situation, but when God speaks, everything changes. Even when you're still in the midst of the situation, nothing has changed, but everything has changed because your perspective is on Him. Because your eyesight and your lenses that you're looking through life is knowing that he's going to take care of me. He's going to guide me. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know through whom. I don't know in which way. But I feel it. I know it. I can trust in him. That he's going to take care of me. 
and he's going to walk me through. That is the peace that surpasses all understanding. That in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the craziness, that when God speaks to you, your perspective on all of it changes. But I love, this is my favorite part of this verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, connected it to changing our thoughts from anxiety into thanksgiving, into gratitude. I think this is why script God put it in scripture. I think this is why he wrote it through the apostles. Because he knows that we need to transform our lives through his word. And he challenges us again in verse 8 saying, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned and received and heard from me or seen in me, put it into process, and the God of peace will be with you. So this is Paul speaking here, and he's challenging his people to not just focus on the crazy. Think of that, whatever is novel and just and praiseworthy, that which gives God's report. That's how we can challenge our mindset. That's when we can challenge our thinking of anxiety. Instead of allowing to get cooked up and allow the world to overwhelm us, we can practice God's word. And as we start thinking of his goodness and his purpose and his plans, and you start thinking, that's why I tell my students, write down the journals when God speaks to you. Write down when God encourages you. Write down when you pray for something and God answer it. So when in the midst of darkness, when you feel like God never answers me, because this is what we all do, in the midst of anxiety, he always leaves me dry. I always have to figure it out on my own. And then I challenge them. Remember this time? Remember when God said this? Didn't he answer that prayer? Did you write that down in your journal? And he challenges us because sometimes we forget God's faithfulness. Sometimes we forget God's goodness in our lives. And we need to remind ourselves of his faithfulness and his goodness and practice what Philippians 4, 8 saying. Meditate on that which is noble and just and praised and good of giving God thanks. Meditate on such things. So in the midst of worry in the midst of not knowing certain things, church, I wanted to challenge you this morning to fix your eyes on Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus, to challenge your negative thinking, your anxious thought, your thing, by practicing gratitude and thanksgiving. Because the funny thing is that I was thinking of a whole nother sermon in Luke, Matthew 6, but this is what got changed in the middle of conversations last night. But there's this reality that I was, this is what my sermon was really going to be about, about the right side up of the kingdom of God. What we think is right on our side, we think we have to worry, we think we have to figure it out on our own. God says, let go of it and trust in me. Let go of the worry and just sit in my presence. Let me strengthen you. Let me refresh you. Let me speak life to you. Let go of the worry. When was the last time you practiced being his son and his daughter in the midst of worship? In the midst of prayer, where you didn't do anything, where you didn't think about everything you had to do, but you just sat down and 
you just practiced being his son, his daughter, and you received his love, and you received his grace, and you received his empowerment. I think we're lacking more and few of those moments in our lives, and that's why we're more anxious, more worried, because we try to do it on our own, and we don't realize how much our Heavenly Father loves us because we haven't spent time with him. Can we go back to his word? Can we go back to his presence? And can we practice the gratitude and thankfulness of his word and his truth in our lives? Amen? Amen. I'm going to buy the worship team up, and I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. One thing I will ask, don't leave right away. Give me a hug. Embrace me. Uh, see some of the craziness that my kids made for me in the back and sign and said, just, I want to hug you, embrace you, shake your hand, whichever. But this morning, as I challenge you in the midst of my emotional craziness and knowing that, by the way, this is not a goodbye. This is a see you later because I will be back and I'll visit and I, I wanna, I'll stay in contact and see what God has. But we just need to surrender our lives to Jesus. There's nothing else in our lives that really matters. We put so much value in so many things, and we put so much value in trying to make it on our own, and the reality of it is that it doesn't work. I have talked to the people who have everything, and they've been empty. And I have talked to people who have nothing, and they feel empty. And at the same time, I have talked to people that have everything, but they surrender everything to Jesus. And I have talked to people who have nothing, and they're so fulfilled in Jesus. And in your life and in my life, what matters is Jesus. He wants to walk alongside you. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I want that this morning to be a chance for you to say yes to him. Just as you've seen probably in those pictures, that has been God's faithfulness in my life time and time and time again. And he wants to rewrite your story. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you joy. And he wants you not to walk in anxiousness, but he wants you to walk with the empowerment of his presence. Amen? So I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to open these altars. And I just want to bless you. I want to pray alongside you and speak to me, to one of the pastors, one of the leaders. You're dedicating your life to Jesus. Make that step choose him this morning but make that real in your heart you don't have to do it for me you don't have to do it because of emotions but because you said i need this i want this i want to experience the fullness of his love i want to experience jesus for who he really is now with my hurts and my hang-ups and what i have experienced in the past but new with who he really is amen if you bowed your heads with me Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you as I look back at your faithfulness in my life and time and time again, how you've been faithful, how you have taken this rebellious, crazy little young boy from a crazy neighborhood to serve you and obey you and walk alongside you. God, thank you that even though I haven't been perfect, your faithfulness in my life has so been evident of your goodness, so been evident of your grace and your love. 
So God, in this room, I pray that as I speak about your word, as I speak about you, as I speak about this incredible relationship that I have with you, God, I pray that you put that longing inside each and every single one of us in this room. That they wouldn't just hear, oh God, about the goodness and the wonderfulness of your presence in somebody else's life. But God, that this morning that you that you place a desire inside of them to say, God, I want to experience you in that way. God, I want to experience you with peace. God, I want to experience you that in the midst of chaos, I can walk in your peace and your love and your grace. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But that means that in every circumstance, you're going to consistently run to Jesus. So Jesus, I pray that you speak life, that you challenge us this morning to run to you, to surrender our lives to you once again, and to make you our Lord and Savior. Not just our Savior, but our Lord, that we give you control over everything in our lives. Not just the small things, not just the things that are hurting us, but everything. So God, speak life. Transform us this morning in your presence as we worship you, as we come to the altars and linger before you and say, we need you. We want you. In Jesus' mighty name. And let God's people say, amen and amen.